Genesis, and I was trying to remember, I was thinking, well, I get a little time behind it, and I think, okay, we left off, I think, here. Um, tonight, I'm going to really encourage you, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 5. Uh, what an exciting time. Uh, there's nothing better than reading about dead people in the Bible. Uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I'm not at that stage of life yet. My mom says I'll get there where you will... You'll wake up. She says she gets up. She checks the obits to make sure she's not in there. And uh, I said, Mom, Mom, that's awful. And uh, but she said no. She said I, I do. And she's and she's so funny. She'll. Uh, I've been up there and she's looking and she goes, Do we know him? Do we know him? Now I'm telling you, he looks familiar and his name looks familiar. So um, tonight we're in the obit page of the Bible, and. Um, Hopefully your name's not found here, and you know you're not going to be in no bit porridge uh, tomorrow in the paper. But we are going to talk about some things here and uh, uh, spend some time uh, in chapter five, and then um, we're going to have a, a big flood come uh, soon. And uh, before we get there, we got to deal with chapter five. So as as we think about uh, here this graveyard of the Bible, you can find in there in verse three. Of chapter 5, it says that Adam lived, and what does it say at the very end? And he, what? I'm sorry, verse four, uh, verse 5, at the end of verse 5, it says Adam lived, and he died. Alright, and then uh, verse 8 says all the days of Seth, and then it says, and he died. And all the days of Enos, and he died. Canaan and he died. Mahalalel, and he, okay, you're like too much. Jared, and he died. We see there in Methuselah, if you skip on down to 27, it says, and he died. Uh, Lamech in uh, verse 31, and he died. All those fellows died. Oh, we missed one. Uh, in verse 21, it says that, um, uh, it, well, verse 24, it says that Enoch, he what? He walked with God. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, tonight. We're going to talk about walking with God. Um, you know, you, you think about it, uh, of the men in the Bible, uh, he, he did not die. Who else did not die in the Bible? Elijah, right. So, And, um, of course, we know that he pleased God. Um, we, we know that that was... Uh, uh, a special thing to say that, that he pleased God. We know that the Lord Jesus pleased God. And we know that uh, also he was in company with another man who walked with God. Who was that? Can you guess it? What do you think? If you guess wrong, I'll call you out. See that? Yeah, that's and that's a good guess. Let's see if I can get there. Verse nine of chapter six. That gave it away. There you go. All right. So we had Noah. So as we think about, he he is in uh, great company uh, with those men. What a blessing. Uh, we are going to talk about Methuselah, um, and we'll talk a little bit about him uh, tonight. And uh, 
as we talk about walking, you know, when we think about the word walking, uh, you know, I, I, I usually have a negative connotation with it because at work they always encourage you to walk. In fact, yesterday um, I was looking for one of my guys. I, I could not find him. And I had driven out to the plant. I had one working on a huge um, uh, software type uh, uh, kind of a, a, just a, a demo. And, and so I worked with him. And this other guy was in our some, some training some that we, we give in the conference room. I thought, well, I'll just catch him. Couldn't find him. And um, called him, and he said he was at lunch. Well, I started riding down the road, and I found him. And I thought, he just told me. He was at lunch, and we were supposed to meet. And he's walking just down the plant. Like, the plant has a long road going out. And I pull over, and I said, Mike, you, you okay? Is everything all right? And he said, yeah. He said, um, you know, the city has a thing. It's called walk or lunch, or was the operative word. And uh, he, he decided to do the walk. He said, you know, just substitute lunch for a walk. He says, the best thing for you. I said, Mike, the heat's getting to you. You need to get in a truck. We need to go somewhere and get you something to eat, you know. He is a little skinny thing, and he's out there walking. He said, oh, I was walking out by the solar panels at the plant, and this is a great walk. And he was talking. He said, pull the truck over and walk with me. I said, Mike, I'm done. I'm going back to the shop. I said, you get back to your meeting, but you eat something between here and there. I don't know what it'll be. Uh, it's probably... You know, just just interesting. People love to walk. People count their steps. They love to walk. In fact, I didn't know it. Um, <laughs> you know, occasionally I'll surf the apps on my phone, and I saw a health app, and I thought it would be neat to, you know, I said, oh, yeah, I could put some data in there so if they find me laying unconscious on the floor, they would, you know, open my phone up and um, say, okay, this is what's wrong with him or whatever. You know, he's got this blood type or whatever. But then I noticed something. There was a a thing that tracked how many steps you take in a day. And I wish I hadn't opened it. Um, the app, I didn't know it, but had, by the way, they're tracking you all the time, you know. And um, I looked at the steps and I go, I'm a very sedentary person, you know. And so it was very convicting. But when we talk about walking uh, tonight, we're not talking about that kind of walking. And I think as we get into this uh, tonight in verse 21 and we look at the life of Enoch, hopefully we can define for you something better than uh, good exercise. And, uh, you know, as we think about it, uh, Enoch had an opportunity to, uh, to do much more than just physically walk. Um, he had some other things going on there. Let's pray and we'll get started. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to to speak and to speak forth your word. I pray that, Lord, tonight uh, you'd help us to clear our minds, clear our thoughts, uh, be focused upon thee. Lord, you are so good to us, and we're so blessed. Uh, Lord, certainly as I reflected, I think about our pastor. Lord, pray your blessing upon him. Thankful he's able to go up and spend time with family. Pray your blessing upon him tonight. And, uh, Lord, we look forward to what you'll do tonight in and through our time together. Pray your blessing upon it. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look here in uh, verse 21, it says, Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And it says, And Enoch walked, God, walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch 
were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. You know, if you're going to have a walk, and that's what we're talking about tonight, is about your walk. And Enoch had a walk. We can have a walk. And it's so important that we think about walking with God, that there, there are some key elements to that, and we're going to talk about those tonight. There's five of them. The first one is you must have a starting point. You have to have a starting point. Um, we see here that it says that, you know, when you look at Enoch's life, a lot of times you might would think that Enoch had always walked with God. But that's not what the scripture said. The scripture said that he had lived for how many years? 65 years, and he had not. If you look here, it says 65 years, and it says when did he begin to walk with God? After he begat Methuselah. And it says, then it, then it says they were 300 years. So we, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit more about that. But as we look at the years, it says, and as we look at this, um, you know, after he has Methuselah, and that preposition there is important, it's the word after, you know, we look at it and we say, there was a time when he did not have a walk with God. And then Methuselah is born, and, uh, you know, I, I think about life happenings and what happens in our life. I mean, um, <laughs> there's some special things in my life I can reflect on. And, uh, you know, I put the birth of my children right somewhere up there, somewhere. No, I, I, I tell you what, I was excited at the birth of my children. Um, it, it does change you. It does change you. Um, you know, I'm looking at Mia back there, and, you know, it, it's when you think about the birth of a child as a parent, you know, you can have a very narrow focus in your life as you and your wife or, you know, as you're single, it's just you. But nothing changes you more than when you see that little one and you think about, I'm responsible for that. Um, I will never forget buckling Amber in at the hospital. And I thought, we're not responsible enough to carry this one home. Can we just leave her here? We will come back when we're ready, okay, when we're ready. And uh, they were like, no, I'm sorry, you've got to take her home. In fact, I, I remember her laying in the room in that little, you know, tub they bring them in. And I'm laying there, and, and I'm like, she stopped breathing. She stopped breathing. I'm just looking, you know, and I'm listening for things, you know, and I'm, you know, I've, I've already know about SIDS and everything else, you know, so I'm, I'm ready to, you know, live, you know, give me the paddles, you know, and, uh, but it really, it, it, it opened me up probably to a whole new level of thinking and, uh, appreciation, uh, of what I was responsible for. You know, Enoch lived during a time when things were had gone pretty crazy. Uh, things had gotten way out of whack. There were all kinds of problems surrounding uh, the people at the time, and, uh, and it all had to do with that people were choosing their own way, and they were doing things their own way. In fact, they, were, they had become, and we'll see this in, in Chapter 6, they had pretty much adopted Cain's view of... Of, of how things should be done. And they had chosen a, a way that is 
uh, apart from God's way. And, you know, Enoch, after he has Methuselah here, we, we know that he is, uh, it changes him. There is, a, there is a difference here. But that, of course, is not, that, that is not a starting point with our walk with God. Uh, that is not a starting point with his walk with God completely. You know, but it, did, it certainly does give you the perspective that, you know what, Enoch had to be thinking about how this, how this world would impact his son and had him thinking about some things during that time. You know, I think about us, um, and when we witness and have opportunity to do that, people are open, by the way, to the gospel. When they have children, uh, they they let their guard down. In fact, I have seen people who said, I, you know, I used to live a pretty wild life, but when I had kids, I settled down. Or, you know, when I had kids, it made me think about, or, hey, I would never let my kids do the things that I was doing. You know what I'm saying? So it changes even the world's perspective uh, about those things. And, of course, we know that nobody is born... Uh, that way. Nobody's born walking with God. Um, and, you know, as we think about it, you know, God wants us to have that different walk. You know, Ephesians 2 uh, points it out clearly where it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even, even as others. But God, who is rich in his mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even uh, when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together in Christ. By grace ye are saved. And, you know, it, it, the idea there is that, you know, you walked according to the course of this world. There was, you know, if you're, if you're going to have a walk with God, there has to be a time when you stop following the course of this world and you begin to, uh, you, be, you are quickened in your, uh, in your trespasses and sins by the Lord. And, of course, you know, as I think about my life and the opportunities that I've had to hear the gospel and what I was responsible for, you know, I did not get saved until I was in Bible college, my junior year of Bible college. But, you know, so many years prior, I had been taught what is right, what is the gospel. You know, I'd been taught about sin and that because of sin and that I'm a sinner and I knew I did things that were sin and all it takes is one to be a sinner, right? I knew that because I'm a sinner, I needed to be saved from my sins. And I knew that the Lord... uh, you know, he died for me. I knew that Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for that sin and that I just simply need to ask and and I needed to begin my walk with him to do that. You know, had I died sitting, you know, I think about all the times I sat under the gospel and I think about had I died at any time, I think about, you know, in high school, it could have been, I had a horrible truck accident and and that, that was a time when I really I mean in fact I thought that night I was going to die and uh, I can't imagine what that would have been like uh, because I would have I would have come out of the truck wreck with opening my eyes in hell that that would have been you think about all the times that I had sat and 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 I think about our church and you know I think about how we have young people here and you know you think, you know, I'm in a good family, I'm in a good church, um, 
listen, you have to have a starting point. It's not natural. You're not born that way. You're not born walking with God. You know, I, I had a, you know, my family eventually, you know, later on, when I was about eight or nine years old, was going to church, you know, and, and I had that opportunity to sit under the gospel. But just because I was in a church that, that preached it, that taught it, that I was in a home that encouraged it, didn't mean that I had, had a starting point. You know, I think about how, you know, God wants us to have that, and but there has to be a need for that. There has to be, uh, we have to develop that need to walk with God. There has to, We have to be shown need in our life. You know, Jeremiah 29 says in verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken to you, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. You know, there has to be a need, and that came as he came to this realization. Uh, in fact, the name, we don't have a lot of context here, but we do know this, that it really, his need was defined in what he named his son. You know, when I found out about what he named his son and what that, that meant, it, it had a, it's, it's had an impact on me, and I, and I think about, you know, Methuselah. Can anybody tell me what that name means? Many of you probably already know this. Go ahead. Somebody's saying it. That's right. And that judgment is the flood, right? So, you know, we think about this. The, the, he, he names his son this. There is a need there. And um, he realizes that this world is going to be judged. By the way, the judgment is a good motivator and it will it it is something that you know the lord spoke on hell uh you know and i think about the opportunity we have to avoid that judgment and enoch realized that there was a judgment there and uh he sees his son methuselah and when you think about if you knew that your child when they die that uh, that judgment was coming this world was going to be destroyed. By the way, he knew a lot more, and we'll see this in just a moment, but he knew a lot more about God's judgment than, than what we see here in the context of just right here. Think about that. By the way, um, I have seen Hannah throw Mia up in the air, and she loves it, doesn't she? Um, do you think they did that with Methuselah? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> no, you don't talk about protective parents. I'm sure they were like, you know what, Methuselah, you're staying inside today. You know. I, I, you know, you look at Methuselah, when he dies, that's it. He, and by the way, it tells you of God's grace. 969 years. We think about the, he lives the longest because God in his, in his long-suffering and in his patience, he's waiting. And I think about what God did for me. He waited. And I think about, I think that's what really consummated my decision at some point was the long-suffering of God that I did not deserve. As I sat there under conviction, God drawing. Think about it. I had all those other opportunities, years and years and years of opportunity. And you know what God was doing? 
waiting. I can tell you this, if you want to annoy executives, let them hold a meeting and you be late to it. Think about it. Better yet, don't even show up. Think about God who could, I mean, we're nothing. And God waits. And he waits. And he waits. And I sat in the pew. And I sat in the classroom. And I was with my family. And I always had the opportunity to hear, and God waits. Not annoyed. Just waiting. Patiently. Lovingly. Like the prodigal's father, you know. Instead, in this case, he's, he's looking for me to come to salvation. And I think about how the Lord waited, and he, and he waited all that time. You know, the problem, we, we know that the characterization of our day will be much to like that time. You know, that was their main problem. To have a starting point, you have to have a need. By the way, I have a need to go walking. Okay, I know I told rebuff Mike, and, I, you know, I tell him. By the way, I've tried to eat better. You know, I've had this little health thing, and so Mike has walked in several times, and he goes, what you eating? Good, good. I love that. I get stroked all the time at work. He just said, good, good job, because yeah, he seemed to change in what I'm eating. By the way, there was a need. People have to have a need. I have never seen in my life as many no solicitation signs on houses. Than there. I mean, it's never. It's, I, I've never seen that before. I can remember you'd have to walk my, I didn't even know what those were uh, until late in life when you're out doing door knocking and you're like, no solicitation. Okay. You know, dictionary. You know, people don't have a need, do they? They don't. They don't even want you to show up to the door. They're rich and they're good with what that their life is crowded out with all the things of this world. That was the characterization of this time. So, you know, as we look at this, there needed to be a starting point. Then if you look back there again, the Bible says that he walked what, God? With. The preposition before, we talked about after, okay? He had a starting point. Now this preposition is with. What does it mean to walk with? So, Amber. You like to take Boss for a walk. Many of you heard about our dog. He's such a good dog, and he's very disciplined, and his dad has taken very good care of him, right? Come on, let's go for a walk. And I am, I am the master. Hey, I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to make him do what he's supposed to do. Try to take him for a walk, though. That's the one thing we don't have down. What does he do? He's way out front, or he's digging in back here. Yeah. You know what the problem is? He's not surrendered. If you're going to have a walk, you must be surrendered. You know, you can, if you're not, if you're walking with someone, if you're out front, 
It's about you, right? Hey, catch up, catch up, catch up. That's what most people are doing to me. Come on, catch up, catch up. Come on up here. Hey, I got places I got to go, things I want to do. Come on. Or, that's me. Coming. Coming. Dragging me along. With is right side by side. You know, we, we have to surrender. And by the way, people can start, but they don't necessarily surrender. You know, as we look at this, you know, it has to be with, not behind, not in front, not during our will, and not begrudgingly struggling. And you must surrender your will. The Lord did this. Great example of Luke 22 and verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them by the stones cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know, it is, our, it, it is our opportunity, once we have started that walk, to then realize that we still have opportunities of surrender in our life. And we, you know, you can start and not surrender, and you can be dragged, or you'll be up front and you're ignoring where the Lord is at, running off doing your own thing. The greatest blessing comes when we surrender. You know, I think about, you know, World War II, country that had to surrender on the USS Missouri in, in September 1st, 1945. Who was that? That's right. And after they surrendered, the United States went in there and set off a bunch of nuclear bombs and blew up everybody, right? No, they benefited from it, didn't they? In fact... <laughs> They, they started whipping us in a different way, didn't they? They started getting blessed economically. In fact, um, the whole country turned from being, you know, led by the military to now they, they didn't even have to worry about the military. They just rested. Once they handed that sword over and they said, hey, I'm, I'm done and surrendered, they were blessed for it. And, you know, I think about where Enoch is in his life. He is surrendered and he has given the lord hey i'm just i'm just walking with you god i'm giving it all over to you and tonight you can sit here and and uh you could have started your walk but if you're not surrendered you're going to have struggles there's going to be problems and and I, I think about what that surrendering brings and blessing so we see that enoch walked with thirdly we see here, and, and to me, this, this really stands out to me. Um, it says there that he, if you look in verse 22, after he begat Methuselah, he, he 300 years is what you read next. Okay, so he begat Methuselah, and after he begat Methuselah, 300 years, and then it says what? And begat sons and daughters you know if you're going to have a walk it's not a sprint it's a steady pace and i think about what 300 years represented by the way we feel exhausted and we haven't lived near that much right we even made it to the 65 point most of us with the 
you know, where he, he comes to his walk with God. And then I think about 300 years. And I think too often we get the, we, we kind of get a, that perception that there's this glowing light over him. And as he walks along, I, this was my vision. As he walks along, he kind of, I don't know, he's got his hand out. You really don't see the hand that's gripping his, but you kind of, he's got his hand out and he's looking up and he and God are just talking and they're just talking along and, you know, maybe he, there's people around and he don't even see them. They're like in a, like a halo effect. You just, they're just there and he just moves through them and people are doing all kinds of wickedness and wrong and he's just talking to the Lord. That is not how that happened. <laughs> but it, you almost get that picture. But when you understand that he lived for 300 years and he begat sons and daughters, he was living life. You know, <laughs> when we think about a walk, it's a steady walk. It's a continual walk. It's a routine it's one foot in front of the other. And I think about how he had to keep the respect. By the way, do you ever see a point here where God audibly talks to Enoch? No. By the way, that was the other thing. I always feel like, yes, okay, God. Okay. No. That is not how that went. All you know is that he lived 300 years. And he begat sons and daughters. And that is powerful. When we think about our life and we think about our daily routines and how sometimes I really believe the devil does this, he tries to get you convinced that those daily routines aren't important. Because you're not, hey, it's got to be much bigger than that, man. It's got to be bigger than that. If it's not bigger than that, it, it, hey, when you woke up, you woke up tired today. There's no way the Lord can be in these devotions this morning. There's no way you can pray and talk to God today. You know, it, it, listen, there's too much going on. This is not that big a deal. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I even shared it in Sunday school. You know, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the routine things, or we call mundane things, where we find our real walk with God. It's a steady pace. And you know what I've seen over the years is that people busy themselves. And by the way, Pastor referenced this earlier, not too long ago. Um, recently, he was talking about the, you know, people, they, they here they put on more and more busyness, and all it's doing is covering what their real need is. And their real need is to have a walk with God. Their real need is to have a relationship with him. Your real need is to do God's will where you're at, not where you think you need to be. Because you can be wrong. When you line it up with the scriptures, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Where am I supposed to be right now? Where, what, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And by the way, I think people have filled themselves and busied themselves to a point where they lose joy in serving. And when you do that, when you have to run, run, run to replicate a walk with God and you're sprinting all the time. And by the way, people don't, can't keep that sprint up. 
I used to think that when I would run. I was thinking I'll just tear out of here and I'll stay on a sprint, you know. Now, eventually that wears down, right? Guess what you're eventually doing? You're going to have to walk. <laughs> Somewhere you're going to stop. I think about walking, though. Walking will let you keep keep going and you walk with God. So, you know, he didn't lose his joy over 300 years. He dealt with family. By the way, if you deal with family for 300 years, think about how many kids he had. You know, think about what all those family relationships. Do you think they produce the best in people? Probably not. He was probably dealing with some, you know, I mean, just our limited small circles of families in the limited time that we live here on this earth. Just think about that magnified by several lifetimes over. Just, I mean, the fact that he kept a steady pace. Not only do you do that, but you have to have a strong position. Turn to Jude. uh, You can turn to Jude chapter 1. If you find another chapter, let me know. Let's look over there in Jude real quick. There's another place where Enoch's name comes up and um, gives us a little more insight here. In verse 14, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute what? Judgment upon all, and to convince all that are what? Ungodly among them of all their what? Ungodly deeds, which they have what? Ungodly committed, and all their of all their hard speeches which un, and ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Let me ask you something. Do you think that during this period, and that's the other thing, you, you almost think that he is soft in some way because he's not experiencing the life everybody else is having to deal with. No, I'm going to tell you something. He is he is experiencing this world in a way that's that's it's under he's under persecution, no doubt. He is experiencing things that he he's taking the barbs of this world. He's preaching against the who, the ungodly, and he's calling them out. He's the first prophet here, right? He's out there preaching. He's giving it to them. He's saying, "Listen, guys." God's coming in judgment. You, you need to realize that. And, and he, he says, listen, he's going to deal with these ungodly deeds. He's dealing with, and, and that you've ungodly committed and, and all their hard uh, speeches. By the way, I think about today, and when you, it can, you're very discouraging, you listen to the way people think and their rationale. And you, um, I, I've seen recently where I saw an interview where a guy was being interviewed, and, they, and, and the question was this, do you believe that you may commit violence against someone for what they believe? And he tiptoed all around. This was a professor now at a college. He tiptoed all around it, but by the time he got cornered on it, he come back around, and he pretty much said yes, that they had the right from social justice to defend themselves and to defend communities by attacking with physical violence on people for what they believe. And I thought, you know what? This is lining right up with the time in which Enoch lived. He had to have a strong position. He had to stay faithful to his walk. He could not let their hard speeches deter him. And no doubt, you know, in fact, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We know 
that persecution will come. And, and I will tell you this, it's going to develop a deeper walk for the church. It's not something that we look forward to. It's something that we welcome. But it's already showing up today. What you believe has consequences. And your walk will affect your witness. And you're going to have to stand up and not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to take a stand and a strong position in this time. If you're going to have a walk with God, you better be prepared. Because walking with Him is going to put you at odds with this world and with this system. And that's how you know you're walking with God. That's how Enoch knows he's walking with God. Last thing here, number five, as you, as you look at this, you must have a secret place. Have a secret place. Look over in Psalm chapter 91. Psalm 91. You know, as we talk about Enoch, he had found a secret place. And... Um, you know, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 91, if you look in verse 1, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Enoch had a walk with God, and it was not a physical walk with God like we talked about. It's not that. His, his was not just a, a place in which he walked with God. By the way, when you look here, you say, wait a minute. Verse 1 of 91 here, Psalm 91 says that he that dwelleth in the secret place. You know, I've heard people talk about prayer closets and quiet places. And, you know, yeah, I've got my place. I've got it's over there. It's back there. Mine's actually under the church. Back up. I crawl on my belly to the back about midway of the church. And that's where I stay. Just so you know. If you hear mumbling under the church, it's me, the Lord. I don't want to minimize a quiet spot, okay? I think that is important. I think you should have your, your places where you do that. But that's not what this is talking about. Look down in verse 9. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy what? Guess what same word is it compares to in verse 1? The same word used for habitation is the same word for dwelleth in verse 1. Listen, it's not in a place. It's in a person. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in, it's in him. The Lord is your refuge. That's the secret place. And you know, if you can't get somewhere private and get along with God, it's not like, okay, I don't have my secret place. No, your secret place is where you are, and it's where you walk with God. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11, and, and we think about that, that relationship is so important. And, you know, as we look here in chapter 11, we see really what is the Old Testament version of walk shows up in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament form of what that word really means. And in Hebrews chapter 11, if you look in verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he what? Pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
in this secret place, we must have a relationship, and that relationship is built on pleasing God. If you do not please God in faith, turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7. If you are not having that pleasing of God and being in fellowship with him, the Bible says there, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we what? Walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know, as we think about Enoch and his life, he had really, that's, and it's all, it's all brought to this point that he understood that it wasn't about the, the place. It, it wasn't about religion. It wasn't about taking, it wasn't the Cain offering, right? It was doing what is a relationship with God. And God, from the very beginning, walked with man, didn't he? What was he doing in the cool of the garden? He was looking for Adam. He wanted to walk with him. He wanted to spend that time with him. God desires to do that with his people. And listen, if you've started a walk with God and, you get, and, 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 and you're surrendered and you need to, listen, you've, you've taken that position and you're doing it. Listen, you're going to need that secret place with God. You're going to need to take that time to have a relationship with him and realize that if we walk in darkness, if we allow sin in our life to take root and take hold and start to take that, it, it, you know, we, we start becoming uh, brought into this world and the things around us. I, I look around us and it's so easy for it to, to try to, to overtake us. If we allow that to happen, we're putting our walk at risk. Like I said, the New Testament version of this is please. You know, Old Testament was walk. The idea here is how do I please God? How do I spend that time with him? And, you know, I know that it's many times we think, how do I do that? You know, do I have, during the day, how do I do that? How do I spend time walking with God? Do, do God's will. If you can't identify God's will for your life, you're going to struggle with that. And the struggle is going to be with sin, ultimately. We have to know God's will. And, you know, God wants you to walk with him. Enoch doesn't have a corner on this. You know, one day, Enoch, you know, I've heard preachers say, one day God just looked down and said, Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours. Won't you just step over into glory? You know, and you're going, that's not how that happened, folks. You know what he was doing? He was faithful to church. You say, well, okay, okay. He, he was faithful to do God's will. He was faithful, you know, hey, it'd be like us going to church. It'd be like us getting up during our devotions. It'd be like us being a witness during the day. It'd be like us making sure we get things taken care of that God wants us to do. Wait, listen, God gives us that, that walk and that liberty. He doesn't have us as mindless robots walking through a religious way. He has a relationship with us. And we need to realize that Enoch didn't have this, this, you know, supernatural experience. He lived life 300 years. Family, normal, everyday life. And that's where we're at. Now, <clears throat> you might think, boy, if someone walked with God, they'd have had an impact on their community. And, and I want to say this to encourage you. <laughs> did Enoch have, did he have a lot of converts? Don't really hear about a lot, and things don't go well after this chapter, does it? So, you know, 
if you're discouraged about that, stop looking for something. The devil always paints unrealistic things in our life, and, and that's one of them. Like, boy, if I was doing, you know, if we're doing what's right, you know, the whole world's getting saved, right? Um, you know, that's the reason why people count numbers. You know, I saw recently somebody, my wife says somebody had put out there that they saw 67 people saved today. Well, that could have happened, you know, but did they? You know, how, how was that, how was that done, you know? Because why? We want, they want that, in, the world, people today want that encouragement. So, hey, we're doing something here. No, listen, it's about your walk with God. You're doing something here when you walk with God and you please him and you have fellowship with him. You do what God wants you to do. It's okay. You don't need to run out ahead and you certainly don't need to drag behind. Stay with him. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to come and, and share your word. Lord, I pray that tonight we would grasp that truth, that walking with you is simply surrendering ourselves, giving ourselves over. Lord, I, I think about the, the opportunity that we have to walk with you. Lord, I also pray that if anybody being here tonight that hasn't had a starting point, I pray that you would convict them and draw them, Lord, as only you can. I pray that tonight would be the night of salvation for them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just, Lord, help us, though, as we uh, think about as believers, as we, in this sin-cursed world, the times that we live in, and just, uh, it, can, it can be discouraging, but Lord, help us to walk with you and encourage ourselves in that walk, knowing that, Lord, you want what's best for us, and Lord, we can certainly dwell there in the secret place with you. May we find comfort there. We pray your blessing upon our night. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.